might need to set some rules, bro. We need new rules. Need new oath, bro. If you did broke, if you a broke ass nigga, you should not be able to nut because you bringing poor kids into this world for nigga. You making <laughs> niggas rob and kill and steal because you running around with no type of career, no nothing, having kids. Now your kids growing up long shit. Your kids growing up looking at thug and his game. God needs to set some rules. What's going on? How we doing? How we feeling? How what's going? How we doing? What's up? What's up? The people's prayer. I mean, sorry. I said the wrong podcast name. It was the wrong podcast name. How we doing? How we feeling? The Greatest Voice Podcast, West Coast Greatest Voice, is back again. How's everybody doing today? How's everybody feeling? Uh, should broke niggas be able to have kids? <laughs> should broke niggas be allowed to reproduce? Uh, that was a line. That was a, uh, a quote from a rapper named Young Thug who expressed his detaste, his his just utter, utter, utter unfathomable. He hates broke people having kids. And we're going to get to that topic a little bit later into the podcast because I am recording this podcast in lieu or in recent timing of the Supreme Court abolishing the Roe versus Wade Act, which for those who doesn't know, can lead to abortion being delegalized across the country. And in fact, when you go to Louisiana, uh, they're actually trying to make abortion homicide, categorized as homicide. But we're going to get to all that a little bit later. First off, I want to ask you, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? I'm in a good mood. Shout out to everybody who listened to my last episode of the podcast that I recorded with my boy Lenzo, a.k.a. Big L, a.k.a. The White, a.k.a. The the Vacaville's Finest. Yeah. I know why I say Vacaville. He's not even from Vacaville. In fact, I don't even know if he has ever even been to Vacaville before. Although I imagine most people who are from the Bay Area have been to Vacaville, but he was cool. I actually got some very interesting responses from... um, Shout out, one of y'all had recommended if I, for those of you guys who are coming from my TikTok audience, could I read your guys' responses to, could I read your guys' responses or you guys' questions earlier in the podcast versus later? Because a lot of the times I kind of go in, I've been noticing with this podcast, sometimes I feel like I do go too heavy into the deep topics early on. So what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to first talk to y'all a little bit, talk to each one of y'all specifically who get, who gave me a comment or asked me a question, and then I'm going to go into some heavy topics. Because we are going to talk about some uh, heavy stuff today. I got to be real with you, bro. We are going to touch on, on the abortion topic. We are also going to talk about, shout out to my boy, um, I'll keep his name part private. I'll call him um, uh, Bob, my homie Bob. He has sent me a video from this um this black philosopher or black scholar, I don't know what you would call him named Thomas Sowell, and it made me think about some things. And also, uh, I guess what the reason why this podcast is titled this, the feeling of survivor's remorse. And I feel like what my what my bro sent me from Thomas Sowell, the video that he sent me, kinda ties into the feeling of that. So first let me just respond to a few questions that y'all had for me. Uh you know, because I, I do appreciate, I know I can't get to every single one of y'all comments. Most of my content is built on, when I'm on TikTok, I'm responding to you guys. Or so, um, 
Shout out to Looney Lux. Shout out to my boy Looney Lux. He hit me up and said, where is a good place, a great location, a safe haven where I know I will walk out with a clean fade in the lineup in the 20916. And when he means that, he says the 209 or 916 area. Well, my brother, I can tell you two specific spots. One is the legendary barbershop in Lodi, Lodi, California. It's right there next to Baskin Robbins. There's another dude in SAC named Walt the Barber, Woke Barber. His name is Walt the Barber. His page is Woke the Barber on Instagram. That man, I cannot tell you the amount of, I cannot tell you how many pairs of legs have been opened up to me. How many women have provided sexual services to me because of the haircuts that this man has given me? So shout out to uh, Walt the Barber and shout out to Legendary Barber, who I'm with right now because she braids me and cuts me like I've expressed before as my girl twin, the barber. She's very talented. I can recommend anybody else better. And there's another dude, too, if you're trying to find some other spots, too. Shout out to my boy, June. My boy June the barber. I don't know where he. I would recommend. I just don't know where he cuts out of though. I don't know where he cuts out of. So those three would be my spots I recommend to you. Um. Shout out to. I'm responding to this comment. Uh, shout out to Janet of Elm Street. I don't know why that tight. Why her name te- makes me laugh so much because I don't know whether to think of the infamous Nightmare on Elm Street series with Freddy Krueger. Or to think of the infamous Elm Street in the Del Paso Heights neighborhood of Sacramento. For those who do not know, it is a very, very, verily, very zoo-like perilous. I'm talking about if you are there past 11.59 p.m., you might leave with a missing hubcap and a missing catalytic converter. So, but she commented and she said, because I made this video yesterday of me going to the Sacramento Zoo. The Sacramento Zoo is so depressing. It's going to be dope as hopefully when they move it to Elk Grove, though. Should the Sacramento Zoo move to Elk Grove? I mean, for me, it's a bonus because, I mean, shit, Elk Grove's closer to where I live at. But, I mean, I don't I don't think it's depressing. I mean, it's, it's depressing when you compare it to other zoos like the San Diego Zoo. The San Diego Zoo is... But the San Diego Zoo, the Oakland Zoo... I want to say those two zoos have one of the highest collections of different species of animals in the country. So that's a hard comparison. You know, that's the hard part about Sacramento. I will say, and I love it. I was born there, but a lot of shit in Sacramento is cool, but pales in comparison because we compare it to other dope. A lot of stuff in Sacramento would be amazing if it was in a state where that was the only thing available. But reality is everything that Sacramento has to offer, there's about seven other cities in California that offer the same but better. Like going to San Francisco or going to San Diego or going to L.A. or going to um, San Jose. Oh, I've never been to San Jose. I don't know how my life is. Um, shout out to AK the Real One. He commented and said, and I guess this is how we're going to lead into the abortion topic. He said, because I was I asked the video asking, um, should abortion be legal? AK the real one said, it's white people need more white people to keep control. White folks need more white folks. We need more rice. And I will say they did say that this country, they've been saying this for the longest time, that by 2040, this country is going to be a majority of minorities, you know, and um, which I feel like to be real with you, I feel like if it's uh if we're having a conversation about the left versus right i feel like they're already adapting that because i'm already seeing more people on the right 
and more conservatives trying to reach out to get more conservatives on this side, which I'm going to just say this in response to that. And this is kind of going off of a tangent. I have always expressed that when you're talking to certain minorities, particularly Latinos and blacks, if you know how to talk to us and care about our issues that plague our communities or plague our immediate situations, you can get us easily because most of us come from conservative backgrounds. I've been saying this for the longest time. Black people, I can tell you for a fact, are far more conservative than either Latinos or black or whites. That's why up until the 60s and up until Democrats supporters of rights, we voted Republican. A lot of those same values, my grandmother and I'm biased because my I was raised in the church. My grandmother's a lot of those values. That's why when I deal with conservatives, if they're not on no racist shit, if they're not on some fucking weird, um, weird shit, I'm always going to sympathize with them because that's where my root comes from. Like I come from that church background, even though I don't necessarily believe that holy in God. Now that's my bread and butter. As far as like my belief system, shout out to Essen DeWin. He said, Supreme court is not criminalizing abortion. It's removing the protected act of abortion. Cause I had said Supreme court is criminalizing abortion. And I get what you're saying, sir, but that, that miswording was just simply me not titling the video correctly. That shows my lack of education in certain topics. So let's have a conversation about abortion. Let's, let's start there. Let's, 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 let's do this. Let me take a little drip of my, sip of my little, my little diet Pepsi. That video that I played earlier, right when the podcast started, That video was a clip, like I said, of the rapper Young Thug, and very talented rapper, by the way, really renowned. There are a lot of people who try to copy his style in this recent era of hip hop, but what he was expressing was broke people should not be allowed to have kids. You should not be getting together and fucking just to create kids who are going to be born and raised in poverty. And I bring that up because. If I want to take it to a certain extent, we can take that and bring it to a conversation about should abortion be legal or not be legal, because there are some people who would argue that. Is it worse to take a baby's life while they're still a fetus or is it worse to bring this fetus into a world or bring it into a a light, um, bring it into the world and know that you can't care for it? Know that you're not going to provide for it and know that that you're going to bring it in a fucked up world. I will tell you, being a security guard, like I said, especially in California, because we work some fucked up areas, just being real. You are going to work in a lot of areas and a lot of places where you will see sad shit. And one of the worst things that you will see is people who do not deserve to be parents. People who are struck out on drugs, people who fucking this abusing their kids. You're going to see some wild shit like that. Um, now, some people would argue to that point, that's not the baby's fault. Should you kill the kid because he, because there's a high chance that he might not be provided for in a way that he should be. And then some people would also argue to that. Well, a lot of people who do come from environments like that, who come from situations like that, where they weren't given what was needed a lot of them end up becoming successful because they work that hard to to work that hard to get out of that situation. 
or, you know, you know, or, because I ain't gonna lie to you, there is a part of me that wonders, did a young thug make that video simply because somebody probably tried to break into his car two days ago? He was like, you know what? God damn it. It's because all these broke ass people's having bro- got these goddamn broke ass kids. This shit needs to stop now. My insurance don't cover every goddamn thing, but it could be that as well. But uh, it's interesting since this recent announcement that the Supreme Court is abolishing the Roe versus Wade Act that defends abortion. The most interesting thing about it is I see all these strongly liberal, strongly devout, purple haired, pink haired, butterfly in the sky, turquoise dyed haired women who are coming out saying men should not tell women what to do with their bodies. Men should not tell women to do with their bodies. And the most interesting thing about that to me is. I have met far more women than men, from my perspective, that are not okay with abortion. Far more women. I have met a lot of women who have told me verbatim, I'm not for abortion. I have a friend who is actually pretty liberal, to be honest with you. She's very liberal. She told me something that I always think about. She said... Kill all them kids. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Sometimes I take shit a little bit far. She said, I'm um, honestly, she said, um, I am for the right to allow abortion to be legal, but me personally, I could never do it. I'm for abortion. I think that should be allowed, but I could never do it myself. And as a person saying this as me as a man whose beliefs sometimes, sometimes they swear a little bit too conservative, sometimes they swear a little bit too liberal. I do feel that a lot of us, when we are attaching ourselves and aligning ourselves with these political parties, and with this point, I'm going to say specifically with liberals. There are a lot of us who are saying, I could never do that myself, but I, you know, I hear you, you're, I, but you know, you could, should be able to do it. I have no issue with you doing it, but I can never do it. Now it's interesting because in some scenarios for you to say that you could never do it, but you could allow somebody else to do it. There is some part of me that wonders, are you saying that because your morality says that should not be allowed? Is your morality in conflict? But at the same time, is your morality in conflict with allowing self with with allowing human will, with allowing humans to make their own decisions? Um, and I don't know if I explained that point right, but I'll just leave it there because I don't want to just forego your head a little bit more. I mean, me personally, when it comes to abortion, I've... Um, I've always felt that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you sh- if you should be allowed to kill kids. I don't know. I used to always say, bro, I couldn't do it. Just being real. I couldn't do it, but I support it being legal. I understand why people are against it. I don't, and I don't like why. That's why I don't like where the media, CNN, uh, our governor, news, our governor is trying to demonize people who are against abortion because 
that's not a hill. That's not the hill that you should die on. You shouldn't die on the hill of saying people who don't want to kill kids are evil. <laughs> like that's a weird hill to die. On. I'm just being for real with you, bro. Because I'll tell you from a black perspective, a lot of black people don't fuck with abortion. A lot of black people don't fuck with abortion. A lot of people who listen to this podcast are conservative. A lot of people who listen to me think that all black people vote Democrat because all of our sentiments are liberal. Let me tell you something. If you're talking to black people, I'm not speaking for just me. If you talk to real black people, real African-Americans whose families are from Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Florida, certain parts of California, Chicago, Indiana, Cleveland, Ohio, Youngstown, true African-Americans. A lot of the shit I'm telling you, they will say, even if they disagree with, that is what our family structure comes from, for better or for worse. Because sometimes our opinions and our family and our structures can be a little bit too conservative. But uh, we don't, generally speaking, we frown upon abortion. We found upon abortion. I'll tell you shit. My, I, I told my little. I'll, I'll have. We can have a real conversation. One of my close relatives, I told to get an abortion because I said there is no way you are fit as a parent to bring this fucking baby in the world. My mama found out that I told him that, and she called me and cussed me the fuck. Why the fuck would you tell him some shit like that? What the fuck is wrong with you? You want him to kill? You want him to kill your baby cousin? What the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you thinking like that? I was like, okay, cool. Now, granted, let me just say something. That same cousin that I am talking about, he is on his second baby. Him and the him and the mama, the first baby, barely taking care of the first one. So they get a job. His girl ain't got a job. How they managing to take care of these two goddamn kids? I have no fucking idea. One thing about poor people, they gonna figure out. They they know how to find the van and put shit together. But I don't know how they managing to take care of these two kids because I I didn't send uh, money to this little motherfucker a few times. So God bless them. I don't know how they doing it, but I'm gonna touch back on that to him. And when I get to the survivors and worst topic of the conversation, but just staying on the abortion thing, it's. I've gotten to the point in my life where I understand that my morality on things a lot of the time, just because I feel strongly about something that does not make it the right way to feel or make it right. I think about this when it comes to stand your ground. I do federal securities. I've iterated a lot of times and I got to tell you, I do feel like stand your ground. I do feel like, they should be a little bit more, um, give you a little bit more leeway in terms of what you can do when defending yourself. You know, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but I understand a lot of people don't agree with that. And I, and I, and I will say this, let me just say this. A lot of the times when we have these strong opinions about things, let me just say your opinion will totally change of how you would handle a situation when you're in that situation or have when you've been there a few times. It's like I tell people all the time when I do security. When I'm gonna say this, then we're gonna go into the survivor's remorse conversation. 
Part of the reason I have so much patience when I'm dealing with somebody where I, if I'm working at a site and somebody gets in my face and calls me a stupid big nose motherfucker and fuck you eat that dog shit. That's why you smell like a faggot, you faggot and all this motherfucker, your hair looks weird and all this other stuff. Part of the reason that I have so much patience, patience when dealing with people who say stuff like that to me is because I know what it's like to be poor and frustrated. I know what it's like to be poor and angry. I know what it's like to be a grown man who didn't worked, uh, got done doing an eight, 10, 12 hour shift and ain't got shit to show, show for it. Cause all that money had to go to bills. All of it had to go to bills and you ain't have nothing. You barely had it. You barely had $2 to get the two, to get uh, two bags, two things, uh, two six packs of ramen noodles from family dollar. I've been there before on all levels. Now, granted, I had the gift of, most of the time when I'm in a frustrated position, I can hold my temper and be respectful to people when I'm upset. That is very rare for most humans. Most humans, when they're fucked up, when they're in a bad position, bad, bad mentality, feel bad about something, they want to take it out on other people. They want to take it out on other people. So I understand what it's like to be poor and frustrated. Now, being bringing that up because when you do security and on the level that we do it, you can fuck up a person's whole life just because they get too close to you or they say something to you the wrong way. Say, for example, when they start going really, really crazy, you can detain them and they can be arrested on federal property. Going somewhere with this. And what what you have to understand is there's a phrase I use. And this is the mentality I adopt. It's called punching down on people. And you have to, I spent so much of my life in the victim mentality of the kid being bullied that I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't understand up until maybe last year when I, when I got to the point, that was when I got to the point when I realized there are some situations where I am genuinely punching down on a person or I could generally be punching down. I'm punching down on this person who, yeah, they're being disrespectful to me and et cetera, et cetera. But by me detaining them because they're mad, they didn't get their check or whatever, whatnot by me detaining them and them having to get arrested over the weekend. That might sit off a chain of events that might have them in jail and they might not have a place to stay in a week. That might sit them. That might sit off a chain of events that might say, Hey, might lose custody of their kid. And that's just me punching down on them and making their day worse than it already has to be. What if they're on their what if they're on their last on their last strike? You never know. And that's to me, it takes a lot of selflessness to think like that. But you have to realize in that situation, you hold the cards. I did a podcast here. I did a podcast uh, about a few months ago talking about an argument I had with a cousin of mine who called me and asked for money. He got mad. And so I called him and we had an argument. I was talking all this crazy shit because he was talking that crazy shit. And he put, he put, made a video of him pointing a gun at me and all this other shit and saying he would shoot me and all this other shit. But I had to understand. And I didn't think about this until recently. You, I got mad because he pointed the, he made a video pointing a gun at me and called me all these names. And I called him and called him all type of shit. And I never expressed the things that I called him, but I'm going to say it. I called him broke. I called him a junkie. 
I called him a boy who's still living out of a van. I called him all these things. The reason why that's punching down is, yeah, he called me a faggot and all this weird shit. Yeah, he said you a bitch and you can't do this and you can't do all that. But the difference between me and him, what he's saying is most of the shit that I'm telling him was facts. I'm just going to be for real with you. I'm not going to <laughs> just be real. Most of all of what I told him was facts. He did have to go to rehab. That was true. Living out of his van. That is true. Living out of his van slash his baby mom's house with six children. That was true. And is he poor? Yes, that is true. This boy is 29 years old. Still can't keep a straight job. Now, bringing all that up because is that fair to punch down and make a person feel worse about their situation than they already do? And I think as a man, that comes with you understanding, hey, man, even if I got the power, that that doesn't mean you have to use it. That, that means you don't have to use it. There are a lot of cops who fuck up. There are a lot of cops who fuck up in situations where it's clear that they are in the wrong. But let me just say this. There are a lot of them who use restraint in situations and that can be a separate conversation. Back to my cousin. And this is going to go into the conversation about survivor's remorse. If you come from the ghetto, the ghetto, the ghetto. Matter of fact, let me, let me, let me play my song. Shout out to Rick James. Let's see if I can find it. What was that song by Rick James? When I was a young boy, growing up in the ghetto, looking for the corners, hanging with the fellas. I can't find it. I don't know. My signal, my signal fucked up out here. While I, um, while I was uh, just chilling at the house today, I was just going through this uh, collage of um, looking at all the old housing projects, the old hoods and ghettos that were in Montgomery, Alabama when I was living there. And when I was out there, I didn't stay in the worst neighborhoods out there. I stayed in Bel Air for a minute and I stayed in Southeast on North Colonial Drive. But I wasn't in like the worst, worst because I would tell you, when you go to Montgomery, Alabama, you can see some third world, third country level. I'm talking about you will see some bad shit out there. But I bring it up because a lot of my family's still out there. All my cousins, a lot of my cousins are still out there. And even when you come out here to California, most of my cousins that are in my age range, most of them are in similar situations. My brothers, sisters, cousins, outside of maybe a few, maybe three, I'm off, maybe three or two. I just found out that I got one cousin who graduated from Howard. I haven't seen her since I was a child, like 10, but round of applause. But shout out to my cousin, Zora Thomas. Graduated from Howard University this year. Much love to her. Much love to her. Much love to her. Much love to her. I'm so proud of her. One of us got to get off welfare. Shit, but um, most of my cousins in between 30, 30 and 19, they in fucked up positions, got babies and everything. And um, I'm bringing all this up because 
There is a point part of me that does feel remorseful or guilty that my dad talked to me. When I say this, I'm not doing. It's not that I'm doing. And I'm easy to say this because I, I keep bringing this up in the podcast with my job. It's not that I'm doing amazing in life. It's just that I've never made the money I'm making right now. Just got to be real with you. Some of y'all remember me when I was working in South Sacramento. And some of y'all remember me when I was working as a bouncer in, in downtown Sac. And some of y'all remember, like, you know, shit, it wasn't like I was uh, doing that good out there. Shit was hard. But um, I'm bringing all this up because my dad talked to me a few days ago. Shout out to my dad. My dad told me, he said, you got to understand something. And in our immediate group, he didn't even say my age range. He just said in our immediate family. He said, in our immediate family, you are the only one doing good right now. You are the only one living on your own, bringing a check back home, stacking up money, top of your bills, honest citizen, got a good record. You're the only one. Think about that. Then he said, out of all my kids, out of all the kids I've brought on this earth, out of all the kids that I could have killed if abortion was legal, I'm joking, I'm joking, but out of all the kids I brought into this world, you're the only one that's getting it right. Think about that. Aside my older sister, by the way, shout out to my sister, Tanita. She's been getting it right, but um, you're the only one. And there was a part of me that felt guilty when I today was thinking about what he said. While looking at those photos of those goddamn third world country looking ass neighborhoods that are in Montgomery, Alabama, because I just kept thinking like, damn, like, is it fair that I made it and they didn't make it? And when I say make it, make it is relative. I still live in a one bedroom apartment, but, you know, from where I come from, from what we come from, my family, my immediate family, you know, it's it's. um. Where my remorse turns to annoyance with a lot of my family members and my cousins is because is when I think of all the chances they had. When I think of all the chances, when I think about how intelligent some of them are, when I think about how athletic, how bright, how charming some of them are, when I think about how some of them just didn't have the. I will tell you something. Just be real. I got about a thousand damn cousins, little cousins my age range or so. Being for real with you. I have, and I'm not trying to just, I really don't know how many brothers I have. I just know the ones that are around me immediately that I talk to. And I can tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, all of, out of all my family, I will tell you, I am the least talented of all my family members. Seriously, I will tell you, I will tell you, they will get on this podcast and tell you that in all aspects. A lot of y'all think the sun shine out of my ass because I speak three languages. My older brother, Keyshawn, he was speaking Spanish way before I was. A lot of y'all like my voice. My father and my older brother have my same voice. A lot of girls like my, uh, my, my older brother's voice more than mine because they said his voice sounds smoother. 
a lot of y'all, a lot of girls I talk to, they think I'm cute. Hey, my older brother, my, uh, my older brother, my little brother, they had all the little girls at Florin High and South Sac, etc., on his ass too. When I go to certain areas, when I'm working at the bars, some dudes, when they've seen me handle situations, they have to think, oh, I'm a, I'm a good fighter. I know how to handle situations. I'm buff. Hey, I got a few. I got a lot of cousins who was whooping my ass when I was a kid who are good fighters. I got one cousin who supposedly knocked the guys out in jail. He only like 26 years old. And it is something to be said about how I wonder if because so many of them were so naturally talented, they take all of they took all that for granted. Because I don't look at myself as talented. I look at myself as somebody who has interest. And because I was interested in certain avenues, I practice and practice and practice until I got better at those certain interests or those certain endeavors. But as far as natural talent, no. I got one cousin. He was going to go to the Navy to be a translator because he spoke Japanese at a young age, like 15 Learned, taught himself Japanese, taught himself to play, I don't know how many freaking instruments, taught himself how to do tactical, just a naturally, just a naturally talented human being, but every time he gets close to finishing, uh, finishing something, he just always quits. For whatever reason, I don't fucking know why. He's my big cousin too. I love him to death. If you listen to this podcast, he knows who he is. Um, yeah, it's a lot of people like that. I got one cousin, charming guy, can get jobs, can get jobs, whatever, but he went to jail and did all this stupid shit. To put a button in that topic, and I think this is why I was motivated to talk about it, for a lot of us that come from certain environments, a lot of us don't understand, and not even certain environments, we'll say in general, a lot of us don't see the opportunity when it doesn't look like for per, like specifically an opportunity. A lot of the time you have to see an opportunity, you have to see a second chance, you have to see opportunity in those moments where it don't look like an opportunity or second chance. Like for say, for example, this is a radical example, but I'm just going to be honest with you. My dad said something to me. He said, me going to jail, he said him going to jail was a second chance to him because he he might have been dead in the streets for how much beef he was dealing with. Him going to jail was a second chance at life for him because he might have been dead in the streets within a few months or years, judging by how much bullshit he was dealing with. I've been, I would tell you most of my life, whenever I've been in a situation where I hit rock bottom, literally almost every time some good shit happened right afterwards or it was like it's almost was like i was clearing out the soil and raking out the weeds and that and the spot of earth to put a new seed down every time every time so a lot of the times i will say what helped me in life is i always saw opportunity and a second chance in moments where it looked like it was a shit was spunky it was terrible it's bad but somehow I always saw a way to go through so I'll just say that so um anyway next topic shout out to my boy um he sent me this video it's gonna be the last topic for the night he sent me a video 
Very interesting video. It was, um, there's a black scholar. As I'm doing this, I'm taking out my eye contact, so bear with me. <laughs> I'm blind. But uh, there's a uh, video. Shout out to Thomas Sowell. He's a black author, black scholar, prophet. Um, think of Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, but black. We'll just, we'll just describe him like that. <laughs> and um, he makes a lot of very interesting videos on what I would call it is critical American anthropology. And what I mean by that is the videos usually kind of just touch on culture. Culture in a sense. But culture and how cultures relate to one another and how they might have been the source of one another. So in his situation, he was talking about the in the case of the video that my boy sent me, he was talking about how the origin of ghetto black culture. He was saying how ghetto black culture comes from, in essence, the poor subsets, I'll call them, of white cultures that come from the poor and rural corners of Britain, like now or near Britain, like Scotland or Ireland, in terms of the practice of the speech. Because a lot of the times when you go to those places, I back in the day, maybe even now, Irish people and Scottish people were the for lack of a better phrase, niggers of Britain. And when you come to America, a lot of people looked at Southern whites, almost how a lot of people looked at black people. Said they were lazy, said they were just drunks who just sat on tractors drinking moonshine. And et cetera, et cetera. And he said that, you know, ghetto black culture comes from that. I want to talk about this because I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Do I think ghetto black culture, as he phrased it, comes from, in other words, southern white trash culture, which comes from, I guess, Scots and Irish culture being brought to the south? So as black people, as African-Americans, unless unless you're like my great grandma Unless you're like my grandma, unless you like some of my aunties, rest in peace, my auntie, um, auntie, P, auntie, um, my auntie Portia, she died uh, last week. I don't know why that was terribly the wrong uh, sound effect I used. For rest in peace, sir. She actually did die, passed away last week. But I bring it up because her and my family, on my father's side of the family. That side of my grandma's family, they're what we call Louisiana Creoles. They grew up speaking French and French Creole. So unless you like them, we all grew up speaking English, which is a white person's language. So naturally, there are going to be some things just culturally speaking that we inherit from white people that clearly did not come from the coast of West Africa. I do think you can see a lot of correlation in between Southern white culture and black Southern culture, because when you go down there, they're almost two in the same. See, a lot of the time, and this is what he did say is true. 
black culture in its roots comes from the South, unless you're from Chicago, because Chicago was a city that's been black populated for a long time. But a lot of us, a lot of us, most of us, honestly, if you live in Cal, most black people from states that aren't in the South are either born in the South or their parents or grandparents or great grandparents were born in the South. In my situation, my father was born in the South on my father's side and my mother's family. My mother was born in California, but all of her other brother siblings were born down South. Were born back East, as they say, because they're from North Carolina. So because of that, the South for us is the cradle of the birth of black culture to an extent. I think for white people, the birth of like them just depends where you grow with where they were at because there were clearly white people in northern the north and the south so it's a little bit different so i think he what he says is true i will say that i think there are a lot of other factors to contribute to what creates black culture and ghetto black culture and that's another thing too i want to say a lot of people don't know this and i'll express this too Black culture is very diverse. A lot of the times what we think black culture is, is based on what we see in the media, what we see in the news. It's a very, very diverse culture influenced by a lot of different things. So say, for example, when you go to Louisiana, our culture is a lot different. The food that my that my father eats, my father is a grown man who owns his home in California. Till this day, if I pull up on this nigga, this nigga will literally be outside with the grill in a pot anytime because he let to cook and you know what he cooking he ain't cooking fried chicken he ain't eating watermelon his ass is out there frying oysters lobsters crabs not lobster but that was that was an exaggeration crabs oysters etc but that's because based on the culture where he comes from that creole culture they grew up in the marshland they grew up in the parish they grew up on the lakes and the bayous that's what he grew up eating all the time. Now, and kind of this kind of goes into Thomas Sowell, the guy who made that video's point. When you go down there, Cajuns, which are called the which are the Louis, the whites Cajuns, they're they're basically like Louis and the Creoles. They're like like they're like Creoles too, but the white version. They speak French too a lot of the time. They do the same thing. They eat um, a lot of seafood, a lot of the same stuff too, because that's just based on their region. So. I will say, and truth be told, those differences, and it's hard because when you have those conversations about differences in between cultures and races, that's changing so much now, bro, because what we all have to understand, America's in a point now where all of our cultures are mixing. All of our cultures are mixing. I feel like most black men in California, not most, but I'll say a lot of us, we've have dated outside of our race before. I feel like most white men in America, in California, can say that they've dated outside their race before. This ain't nothing new. I feel like most of us can say that we like songs that might or might not be sung by a black person or might be sung by somebody else from a different race. It's not like how it was in the 1930s or 20s or so, probably, where you only lived in the bubble of your culture. Unless you live really in the fucking boonies and sticks somewhere you have the option, you have the opportunity to go to go venture and just discover other cultures. So I think we have to think I think of that from a different concept, from a different perspective. Times have changed radically.
like radically, radically. I see it all the time. So I bring it up because when you have these conversations about like race and how things are changing or about ghetto black culture and all this other stuff, I understand that even if the media doesn't display it, even if rap might not reflect it, times are changing. Culture is changing. How we act, black linguistics, black African-American vernacular, as they call slang, that ain't just something that's exclusively for black people. I hear white kids say cap all the time. I've always heard white people say hella. When I was at the gym, I made it where me and my guys were talking about a situation. The guy who recommended this video to me, actually. And I told him a quote that I thought honestly was an African-American old black boy because it was something my grandma would say. It's called if you throw a rock in a pack of dogs, the one that hollers, the one you hit or a hit dog or holler. He told me something. He said, he said, that's not a black saying. That's that's a just a southern saying. I was like, yeah, I was like, really? He said, yeah, my grandmother said the same thing too. That is an old southern saying. A hit dog or holler. For those who doesn't know what that means. If the the full word full phrasing is if you throw a rock at a pack of dogs, the one that hollers you when you hit is the one you hit. All that simply means is the one who responds the loudest and the strongest is the one who that applies to the most. So say, for example, if you go to a group of kids and say, hey, my pie on oh, my pie that was on the windowsill. Why you have a pie in the windowsill? I don't know. Probably to cool it off. My pie on the windowsill is missing a piece. Who took it? The one who says the loudest. Nah, I steal it. Why are you blaming me? Hit dog or holler. So it is what it is. I think this was a good episode. And uh, this is a Saturday morning. So can't wait to hear what y'all think about it. Go ahead and upload it. Had this up ready for y'all today. This is going to be a good summer. Not just for me, but for you. Why? I don't know the why. The f- I don't know the fuck why. But I just know it will. Much love, peace, and chicken grease. I love y'all. It's all love. Welcome to the Willis Group. Sorry, thank you for listening to the podcast. I'll catch you